Welcome to the Meat and Poultry Podcast. This podcast is your online portal to hear from experts in the industry about the latest news, trends, technologies, and people in the world of meat and poultry processing. For the Meat Poultry Podcast, I'm Ryan McCarthy, Digital Media Editor. Jeff Sawicki is someone who is hands-on with regenerative agriculture in South Carolina and wants to explain his experience of a small farm in the low country. In the last few years, Jeff has learned how to adapt to the land with his poultry farm and at the same time continue to build up his name as a sustainable farmer in the Charleston area. During this podcast, Jeff takes us through how he got started with pasteurized poultry and how he maintains the poultry he raises now. He later explains his options for processing his turkey and duck products around where he lives since he primarily services regional restaurants and customers. He then describes how he needed to find different ways to sell his product during the pandemic after the restaurant business changed in Charleston where he supplied a majority of his poultry. Another topic tackled during our discussion is Jeff's online course where he is now teaching others how to start a small poultry farm. We cover a variety of topics in small, sustainable agriculture with Jeff, so we hope you enjoy this conversation. First of all, Jeff, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about how you started your farm and kind of this vital mission farm that you guys are on now? Yeah, um, I started uh, about four years ago and just kind of got a few backyard chickens and and started moving them around and and, uh, built a little chicken tractor and um, had about 25 birds and, and, uh, we, I raised them up and we eventually had them, uh, you know, gave some to family and friends and, and everyone told us, Hey, this is the best chicken we ever had. And I said, man, there must be something to this. Um, you know, we moved them every day, so eating grasses and bugs and fertilizing the ground. And it just seemed to make a whole lot of sense. Um, so really, um, you know, it was great to have some good food, but really got, um, excited about the opportunities um of kind of doing agriculture a different way you know and and in a way we're kind of bringing it back to the way it used to be um um, and so um that's what really got me excited and decided to to start a farm and and grow this thing and see where it could take me what's what's kind of your background i know you mentioned you started the farm for four years was it something that was in your roots at all or was it something you just kind of picked up I've always loved the outdoors and I always thought that I would work with animals in some way, shape or form, but I never thought I'd be a poultry farmer. (laughs) That was never, never, uh, in the wheelhouse, so to speak. Um, but the more I learned about it and, and the opportunities we have to, uh, make small farms profitable and, and to, um, grow better food and to, and to also have a, a dramatic impact on the land and the environment it just it just made total sense i was like yeah this is it you know this is what i what i want to do take our listeners a little bit into your farm itself kind of tell us a little bit about where it is and the size of it and and kind of where you guys are standing right now yeah so we um it's we're a relatively small farm um we're i'm farming on about 10 acres roughly um and we raise primarily um 
poultry for meat. So we raise um, uh, mostly ducks. Uh, we do ducks for meat as well as duck eggs. And then we also raise turkeys. Um, I started raising chickens, but um, there are several other uh, farms in the area raising chickens and, and the ducks just work for our system so much better. And, um, and we've, in the last year, we've really kind of hit our stride and found, I guess, kind of that sweet spot um, on the farm um, and figure out how to make it profitable and, and, and be successful even on small acreage. And we were, I guess, one thing that makes us unique is I don't own a tractor. Um, and we have figured out how to do it without taking out massive loans, <laughs> you know, cause you know, it is, it's a lot of startup capital to start a yeah. farm. And, and I think that's key is if you can do it on a low budget and makes getting off the ground so much easier, especially when you run into certain hurdles and, and things along the way. Um, if you don't have a whole bunch of money tied up in, in bank loans. Um, right. And for your 10 acres, is it just you working this land? What's kind of your whole crew for this? Is it just you uh, working on this operation? Yeah, for a long time, it was just me. Um, recently, I've, I've had some help. I've hired um, some help to help with the, the production side as well. And they, they'll help with um, some other things like, you know, deliveries. And we, we do three different farmers markets. Um, and, and we have several different distribution channels. We do farmers markets. We do uh, local delivery. We do shipping. And then we do a lot of wholesale as well. Um, so I've got several people that help now part-time uh, at this point, uh, which has really freed up a lot of my time. Um, and that's, that's been one thing that's been, uh, hard to learn is how to let go and, 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 you know, find help when you need it. Um, you know, it's, it's been a tough lesson to learn because I'm always wanting to kind of grab the reins, like I can do this, I can do everything, you know, I can... right. <laughs> but, uh, but it's, it's definitely, um, hard to run a farm solo, you know, it, you know, going a couple years without taking a vacation is tough, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, or if you get sick or something, it's nice to have somebody that can help. So, yeah. Can you kind of take us through kind of what goes into pasteurized poultry compared to what we're used to seeing? And I'm sure the process has got to be so different with, with duck and turkey compared to when you've tried to do uh, chicken. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, so I think, you know, some of the big things are, um, as far as pasture poultry, pasture poultry, um, movement is key. Um, so we're raising the animals on the grass, um, outside on pasture and they're eating bugs and they're eating worms and, and they're, they're staying healthy. They're getting exercise. Um, so it's great for the animals as they're getting sunlight. You know, we know that UV light kills pathogens. Uh, so it keeps them healthy. Um, they're more nutrient dense and then we move them. So we keep them in an area for a period of time until that land is kind of worn down and they've eaten all the vegetation. We move them to a fresh piece of grass. Um, so we get them off of that area. Um, they have fresh ground, they stay clean and healthy that way. We don't have to ever use any antibiotics or medications ever. Um, and the manure is left behind. And so that manure is, you know, has high nitrogen content um, so it's just great natural fertilizer for our fields. Um, and so what happens is the grasses and vegetation just explodes in growth after we've moved the birds. And, uh, you know, sometimes we'll, we've, I've got pictures, we've had grass, you know, four or five feet high, um, you know, just, you know, a month or so after moving birds through there. So it's pretty incredible. Um, and when we're keeping that vegetation, that rapid growth cycle like that, um, 
you know, because the birds are kind of, they're mowing it down and then it's regrowing and they're mowing it down as we bring it back, you know, to the same area and keeping that cycle and that rapid growth period. Um, when that happens, a lot of the roots um, slough off into the ground as we, you know, mow the grass essentially. And that's just putting carbon back in the soil. And so what we've seen over the past couple of years and two years, we've increased our um, soil organic matter by 3% which is incredible. That's a lot of carbon going in the soil, um, which is fantastic. Um, but also it's improved the um, organic matter is a, just a great measure for your soil and, and how, how well um, crops will grow there. Um, so it holds water, it holds nutrients. It's just, it's just the, the more you can increase your organic matter, your, your productivity just goes up dramatically. Okay. The other, the other thing I wanted to talk a little bit about Jeff is kind of what, the, the process of getting uh, your uh, duck or turkey process, kind of what, what takes you through that and how do you choose uh, who you want to use for that? Yeah, um, as, a, as a small producer, you know, you have options. Um, there, there is an option to produce on farm. Um, you have to go through the Department of Agriculture and get that, and every state is a little bit different. Um, but they can give you an exemption. And as long as you meet certain guidelines, you can process up to a certain amount of birds on your farm. Um, here in South Carolina, we can do, there's an exemption for, we can do up to a thousand birds a year. And then if we meet some other requirements, we can do up to 20,000 birds a year on our farm. Um, but there are some caveats to that. Um, when you do on farm, you, you can't, um, sometimes you, you, know, you can't do certain things such as sell across state lines, um, you may or may not be able to wholesale your products. Um, we can't really do uh, any additional um, uh, work with the products. So we can't you know, make sausages and grind it and that kind of thing. Um, so I take our birds to a, a certified USDA processor that works with smaller farmers. Um, and there's a USDA inspector on site. So they do all the processing and everything's um done correctly and inspected so we were able to do you know sell across state lines and we can make uh, uh sausages and we can take the leftovers and you know make pet food and things like that um so that's been a great thing is being able to utilize those usda processors although there's not a lot of them out there <laughs> they are few and far between um which is one thing i think they're they're hoping to to change soon but we'll see <laughs> right yeah take us through a little bit about for you now, where people can kind of find your product and how that's growing. I know you guys are kind of in the low country area around Charleston, it's close to Charleston, right? Tell us kind of where, you, where your guys' reach is right now. Yeah, so we sell most of it locally here in the Charleston area. We do a uh, local home delivery. Uh, we're at several different markets, one on Johns Island and one in Columbia and one in Savannah, Georgia. Um, but in addition to that, we also, um, we, we do provide shipping. Um, so we do ship uh, regionally um, in the Southeast um, primarily. Um, and so we have several value-added products now that, that enable us to do that, that shipping. Um, and we can ship, you know, two-day shipping and a lot of our products that way as well. Yeah, and for figuring out that whole process now, I, I saw in one of your videos that before the pandemic, it was 95% of your business was coming from restaurants. Can you kind of take us through how yeah. you come back around and pivoted and changed all that up? I'm sure now in 20, 
21 and going into 22, it's probably restaurants have picked up again. So you've probably gone back to some of them if they're there, but take us through that a little bit. Yeah, certainly. Um, so, you know, prior to the, um, to the pandemic, we were selling mostly to restaurants, um, all mostly locally here and, and we're doing really well with that. Um, and then COVID happened and it was kind of like, you know, restaurants weren't buying anymore and we're like, okay, we need to do something different here. And we knew we had to pivot and make some changes. And so we decided to go, you know, how can we focus on direct to consumer? Um, and so that was the goal. We started doing some more farmers markets. Um, but with our, um, our farm producing primarily ducks for meat, um, you know, not a lot of people eat ducks very often. Um, they might eat one every now and then uh, on a special occasion. So sure. it was a little bit of a challenge, you know, how can we get this, you know, in people's hands and, 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 and stay afloat basically and survive, you know, this, this pandemic and these restaurants shutting down. And so we really, um, we, we started focusing on doing some different things and, and adding value to our products. So instead of selling a whole bird, you know, we would, we would uh, turn it into cuts and offer leg quarters or you could buy breasts. Uh, we did some sausages, so we did like a wine and garlic duck sausage and the jalapeno cheddar duck sausage, and um, we had some chefs that we worked with were um, making uh, duck confit out of the legs, so we'd, it'd be pre-cooked and seasoned and marinated, and uh, and then we'd freeze it, and all you know, all you have to do is just take it out of the package and, and warm it up, and it's ready to eat, um, and we've also taken some of the parts, like the feet and wings and the heads, and some of the parts that often get discarded. Uh, we like to be able to use the whole bird, and so we will dehydrate those and make dog treats out of them, as, and we'll even use the, the frames, and and we'll we'll um, we'll make broth out of the frames, and so you know really able to use the whole bird and 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 make it work. And we found that at the markets, and 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 a lot of the consumers, you know, doing deliver local deliveries and things like that, really liked having uh, products that were easier to work with, a little bit easier to cook. Um, sometimes they're already pre-cooked, um, or, you know, something like sausages or brats that they could just throw on the grill and, and it, it made it so that we could survive essentially through the pandemic. Um, and, um, the other thing about the value added products is we increased our profit margin too. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's a tight margin on when you're wholesaling poultry, um, you know, chefs are, a lot of them appreciate um, a higher quality product and are willing to pay a little bit more for it. But my costs are, you know, I, I don't know how they can sell chicken for $5 at Walmart retail price because I can't even produce it for that. You know, it's, it's shocking to me. My costs are so much higher. Um, and so, you know, we have a very thin margin when we're wholesaling things, but when we're doing these value-added products, you know, we can get a 60, 70, 80% margin. And so now, you know, where we were getting, you know, $10 a bird, we can make, you know, 60, $70 a bird when we're doing these value-added products. And now we can raise, you know, five or six times fewer, um, fewer birds on the same land space to make the same profit. Um, so it makes small farming um, much more viable if you have small acreage and try and do a small operation. Right. I, I wanted to get back to the farm too, real quick, Jeff, because I think yeah. it would be interesting to people. Uh, what else is growing on this 10 acres? I know it's not, you know, with all the movement of the animals and, and all that, I know you, I, I was reading a few things that you 
have a lot of other things going on in this 10 acres than just we're just moving the ducks around you know yeah um so we have um our, our pasture was uh wooded we logged the pine trees out it was it was heavily wooded pine trees mature pine trees and, and dense underbrush and we turned it into pasture about three acre section and and we started running the birds through there and and um i knew that there's a lot of value in having those trees um for a number of different reasons um the trees you know they, they provide um they provide shelter they provide shade in the summertime they keep the soil cool um they protect against erosion and and flooding in the fields they soak up excess water and so there's a number of benefits to having some trees out in the field and so we started planting that field back out with different uh fruit and nut trees um and so we're doing what is called a silvopasture system and so we have widely spaced trees um and in between those trees we can still get our equipment through we can still raise livestock and so off the same land space we're growing grass and, and which is food for our livestock we're growing uh ducks for meat and eggs and then we also have the trees that eventually we'll get uh fruit and nuts from so we're, we're producing three products off the same land space uh so it's a very efficient um type of farming system and um the the trees provide a lot of benefit from the for the poultry um even if we never get uh you know even if we never get a piece of fruit um i think the benefits are are, are definitely worth it and yeah, you mentioned livestock as well. What are you guys looking at uh, for livestock a lot of times? So we're just uh, raising the poultry as livestock, um, but there, there's other, you know, there's lots of different livestock that you can add into a silver pasture type system. I've seen people do it with sheep, cattle, you know, pigs, et cetera. Um, we did raise a few pigs through uh, in our woods uh, last year. Uh, we're not doing that anymore, but um, <laughs> that was an experience. But um, but there's a lot of different options um, that you can do with this uh, type of system. Yeah, I wanted you to kind of explain this the the silvo pasture system uh, a little bit and kind of how you're passing it on to the next thing. When we when you reached out, you said you were going to start teaching a class on this. Can you kind of describe it and then how you're uh, trying to teach other people to do something similar? Yeah. Um, so basically, we, you know, we have our pasture, we plant out these trees. And I've my approach has been just to try a lots of different species kind of in a shotgun approach. Um, we, I'm, I'm not irrigating them. Occasionally, if it's if we have you know, really severe droughts, really hot summer, we'll, we'll give them some supplemental water. But I, my approach was to try and find species that are um, going to do well without a lot of attention and care, um, something that wants to live, um, and, and I'll let it live. And, it, and if it wants to die, I'm, I'm going to let it die. Um, so we planted, you know, lots of different things, you know, blueberries and mulberries and chestnuts and oak and citrus and just all kinds of things and just seeing kind of what does best. And, um, we've, I've had a lot of different trees and, and shrubs and things die. <laughs> and, and then I've, I've had a few that have, um, you know, done really well. And so the things that aren't doing well, we're, or the things that do really well, we're going to replicate and, and plant more of those out, um, and have, you know, a nice little diverse, uh, orchard, so to speak out there. Um, 
And then I guess the second part of your question is, um, you know, trying to teach others. I think, you know, it's the, the biggest thing I think is when you're starting a farm is it's a lot of capital input. Um, and there's a lot of things that uh, as far as infrastructure and just, you know, pitfalls that you can fall into when you're trying to start a farm. And, and I made a lot of mistakes and I'm still learning every day. Um, that makes it really tough to get off the ground. And, yeah. um, and I think there's a couple of things that, you know, we, we've had some, some great success this past year. And, and I really, um, you know, my goal now is to kind of help others that are interested in doing this sort of thing, figure out how to do it and, and how to be profitable doing it. You know, I love being outside with the animals. I love raising, you know, good, healthy food for people. Um, but at the end of the day, if we, if we can't make a profit, we're not going to do it for very long. Right. Um, so, so I really want to help others, um, learn how to do this, um, in this kind of alternative way of farming and, and, and learn how to do it and be successful at it. And so I've, I've put together a little bit of a course, um, to help others do just that. Um, and, um, it'll give you, it's basically, um, what I call the pasture poultry blueprint and it's a step-by-step, you know, 90 day coaching program that'll teach you exactly how to start a farm how to scale it up and how to be successful at it uh without taking out you know a massive loan or massive amounts of debt um one of the things i found you know getting started myself was you can buy a lot of uh, equipment and things for a you know if, if you want to raise you know a handful of chickens in your backyard um and let's say you had a dozen chickens you can buy you know little feeders and waters and things like that for a dozen chickens or you can also buy equipment if you want to do, you know, a, a, a huge commercial chicken house, you know, multi-million dollar operation. You can buy that type of equipment. There's suppliers out there if you want to get a half a million dollar loan. But there's not much out there for anybody in between. <laughs> you know, yeah. if you want to raise a few, a few hundred or a few thousand and grow a farm, there's really not a lot of options. And so we really, I figured out we had to, we, there's a lot of, um, questions like how do I do this and how do I do that and how do I scale it up and so a lot of the uh the things we figured out were just do it do it yourself you know building you know inexpensive infrastructure and and, and not taking out a huge loan and, and being able to uh slowly scale that up um and so that's part of the course is focused on saving money you know having your own uh do-it-yourself infrastructure the second part is um, learning how to make a profit so um you know, we uh, teach other folks how to wholesale, how to approach restaurants, how to make a chef say yes to your product. Um, and then, um, and also how to, uh, you know, add value to your products. So you're getting a much higher margin when you're selling it direct to consumer. Um, and the third part of the course is we focused on community. So we have a private Facebook group. Um, we have uh, weekly live sessions, uh, coaching calls and, and presenters. And so, um, yeah, it's been a really fun, uh, venture to be able to, to share with others and, and help them grow as well. For, for your course, do you think this is applicable to everybody, including people outside the Southeast? Because obviously being in South Carolina, you've got more chances and it's, even though it gets really hot in the summer, obviously everybody can stay outside most time and keep their poultry um, alive. How does it kind of work if you're trying to do it in the Midwest or is that something like that people could do? um throughout the year or is it just through the summer do you how do you kind of approach someone like that or is it just kind of focusing on the southeast mainly 
Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, my experience is, is here in the Southeast, but, uh, but, uh, I would say the majority of the, um, of the principles and, and, and the plans, um, are universal, no matter where you are, you know, you're still going to need feeders. You're going to need waters. You're going to need shelters, a brooder. You're going to need to learn how to market and how to add value to your products, how to wholesale it. So all that's universal. Um, now, when you're in a colder climate, um, you know, there are some things you might adapt. Um, so you might do, you know, things a little bit differently with some of your shelters and things like that. Um, so some of it, you know, might be a little bit more, you might have to adapt it to your, to your area. But I would say the bulk of it, um, you know, 90% is, is universal to any, any location, you know, geographical location. When you're teaching a lot of these people, Jeff, are they, do they already own the land that they're using this on? Are they looking for a supplemental income? Is that kind of your main group or are there other people that are interested in buying a piece and getting started on their own as well? Uh, we get a mix of both. Some people that already have land and some that are just thinking about doing this and, and wondering what they should do. Um, when I started, we, we bought nine acres, um, but only about three acres of it was actual open fields and, and farmable. Um, and so I, I started farming that three acres for the first year or two. And then we, I was fortunate enough to uh, get a lease from a neighbor that's got a, a, about another seven to 10 acres. Um, and it was really interesting because I, I approached him and, and, you know, and we hadn't really had a lot of conversations. He just kind of say hello and that kind of thing. It's just really short. And so I didn't know him real well. And, and I just said, hey, you know, I noticed he had these these open fields and he wasn't really doing anything with. And I said, hey, would you mind if I brought some of my poultry over here? And then I also told him, you know, uh, he said, yeah. And I said, well, that's great. And he, he really asked him what he was doing with it. He said, I just, you know, I go out here every now and then I, I cut the grass, but that's about it. I haven't really done anything with it in years. And I said, well, the benefit for you is my poultry will be your lawnmowers for you. And right. it'll save you some time and money. And I think that was enough for him to say, sure. Right. Um, and, uh, and I was prepared to pay him, you know, whatever he wanted for a lease. And he said, no, he said, you don't, you know, you don't need to pay me anything. Um, I'm happy just to see it being used. Um, and that was, that was pretty incredible. Um, sure. and so we've been, we've been, um, leasing his land, I guess, if that's what you want to call it for the last uh, year and a half or so. And, um, you know, I give him a few dozen eggs and, and, and some, some meat every now and then, but, um, yeah, he doesn't ask for anything. It's so it's pretty incredible. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for folks to do that. Um, there's an aging population of farmers in this country. And I think a lot of them either, um, don't use their land anymore or have extra land that they would be happy for somebody to go in there and, and, and use, um, if you just ask and, and, you know, it's, that's a lot of times that's all it takes. Um, in fact, for somebody starting out, I think it's a great idea just to, to rent land to start out and just see if it's something that they want to do and they want to continue with before you invest in a big land purchase. Um, sure. I think it's a great idea. No, and it's an, it's a very good story about, you know, building your community and your, your rural community. And I think that's, it's a great story to hear sometimes where people are just, you know, being out there and being friendly and sometimes you can get uh, something started, you know. Yeah, it was pretty exceptional, you know, I think, you know, quite a unique opportunity, but I think that there's, there's quite a few of those, you know, people just, 
you know, if you get involved with your community, you know, ask your 4-H community, you know, talk to some of your neighbors. And I, I, I think there's, you'd be surprised at how many opportunities there would be for people to be happy to take somebody and, and have them, you know, work the land, especially if you're saving them some trouble of cutting the grass and you're increasing their fertility and, you know, you're doing some good. You're not, you're not leaving it scarred, you know, and I think um, people are happy to, happy to, to do that. You know, Jeff, we've, we've discussed regenerative agriculture on our podcast a couple of times, and I always, I'm interested how it struck you and why you got hooked on it. Tell us a little bit about uh, how this is why you wanted to pursue this path. Um, yeah, I, you know, we hear these stories about, you know, climate change and how the, the earth's getting warmer every day. And, um, you know, I really felt like I just wanted to try and do something about that. Um, and if I can grow good food and, and something that's healthier and it's better for the animals and make an impact on the environment at the same time, it just, it made perfect sense, you know, and I was like, that's, that's what I want to do. Um, and so there's been a number of studies that have shown um the Rodale Institute is one organization that's done a lot of studies on um, regenerative farming. Um, they were also a, a, a leader in the organic movement um, uh, in farming and agriculture. And, and they have shown that um, if we use livestock and manage them properly and do rotational grazing, there is the opportunity, the potential of sequestering all the the CO2, all the carbon in the atmosphere and completely reversing climate change. So we're not just talking about, you know, trying to, you know, use less gas and, and, and you know, uh, you know, trying to cut emissions and do these things, you know, in your house, in your home, you know, we're, we're talking about, we can completely reverse, you know, we're, we're a solution to potentially to, to climate change, which I thought was just absolutely profound. I mean, that really hit me. And I was like, wow, this is something that, that, more people should be doing you know this is amazing um and that, that that really got me excited about you know taking this venture and and just trying to learn everything i could about regenerative agriculture and and we're always trying to improve you know i think pasture poultry is great um we can do a lot of good with it um but there's always opportunities to make it better and i'm learning every day and I love experimenting and trying new things and for example one thing we're doing on the farm is um uh, is trying to figure out ways to cut feed costs. Um, that's the biggest, um, when it comes to poultry production for meat or for eggs, um, that's where the bulk of your greenhouse gases come from, um, is, is from the feed production, you know, and you think about it, here I am in South Carolina, somebody's growing corn and soybeans in Iowa, it's getting shipped all the way halfway across the country to a feed mill, where it's then milled and packaged, and then it's getting shipped to me, um, and so there's a lot of you know, there's a big carbon footprint that comes along with that. Um, and so if we can reduce our feed usage, um, I think we can make a really big impact. Um, when we raise our birds on pasture, they're getting about a third of their diet from grasses and bugs. Um, so that does cut our feed bill significantly, um, but we still have a long way that we can improve on that. Um, and so some things that, you know, we've been trying on the farm is looking at alternative sources of feed. Um, so we'll do thing we've tried using, um, uh, brewer's grain. So we'll, we'll take grain from a brewery and, and use that as an alternative feedstock. Um, we've also been seeding out our pastures. Um, so if there's a period, uh, we'll, we'll put out seeds and so we'll put different grains, you know, 
oats or wheat or uh, milo or uh, millet and different things out in the pasture and seed it, let that, um, let that grain go to seed and then bring our poultry in and let them graze it right off the stock. You know, it makes a whole lot more sense for let, let the poultry do the work, let them just self-harvest it rather than shipping the stuff from Idaho in, in a bag, right? <laughs> so yeah. it just makes a whole lot more sense. Um, so these are things that we're experimenting with on the farm and hope we can um, really dial in. Um, yeah, you know, I was curious with you putting together this class now too, Jeff, uh, what do you learn from other people by teaching this class? I'm assuming it's a lot of give and take a lot of times when you're when you're putting this together yeah absolutely um you know it's it's like anything else you a lot of times you're so thick in the forest you, you don't see the trees you know and and so it's it, it's funny how a lot of times I can look you know somebody has a question I can say you know tell me about your farm and I can give them some advice or some suggestions some suggestions and try this and do that um, and it's a lot easier when you're looking at somebody else's farm, you know, but you don't see your own or your own mistakes or your own things you could do better. And, um, and so it's great when somebody can say, well, have you tried this? And, and, you know, and, and so I learn a lot um, from others um, and, and their suggestions. Um, uh, one example I can think of is uh, I was raising, a, we have a small laying flock of ducks that we use and we sell the eggs but the primary use of them is to uh, we collect the eggs and we actually hatch our own ducks on the farm and we incubate them and hatch them and uh, but we weren't using any nest boxes because um, ducks kind of just lay their eggs they, they they don't always use a nest box they kind of just lay them everywhere so we every day we go out and we pick them up and uh, it'd be like an easter egg hunt you know they'd be under bushes and, and puddles and all over the place and they'd be dirty and everything and and um, so yeah, I had somebody suggest using nest boxes. And I said, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And, and he said, yeah, it'd be really easy to make it. You can do it this way and you can, and then you can move it with the birds easily. And I said, that makes a lot more sense. Um, so, so we started doing that and it's just like, you know, something you just, you know, the simple things sometimes you don't think about, but um, so yeah, it's, it's great. It's definitely a give and take for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, last thing before we go, Jeff, uh, what's yeah. kind of, what's your vision for how this is going to go kind of what's your goal with your farm and do you want this thing to grow larger do you or are you just good with managing what you've got right there and uh teaching what you need to teach you know on this class kind of what's kind of your goals and visions now for all this yeah my visions for the future um is you know we, we love i love the farm where it's at we keep doing what we're doing um we don't i don't really have any intention to grow um, but I do uh, want to keep uh, experimenting and innovating. For me, that, that's the fun part, you know, is, is learning, uh, trying different things and seeing what works and what doesn't. Um, and then sharing, you know, that stuff with, with others. Um, that's the key. You know, I, I started the farm because I want to make an impact. Um, I want to, you know, see if there's a better way we can do agriculture, see if there's a way we can be more regenerative and, and help the environment. And, you know, I know that the you know, one farm is a, is a drop in the bucket, but if I can share, you know, some of the stuff that I've learned, you know, both what to do and, and what not to do with others, then we can make a lot of drops in a bucket, right? Um, and we can make a big, a bigger difference that way. And so that's, that's my passion is teaching, sharing and, and experimenting, innovating um, to, to make a big impact.
Well, Jeff, we appreciate you hopping on today and, and sharing your story. It's uh, it'll be really interesting to follow. Uh, thanks so much. We really appreciate it and uh, have a good day, man. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. And um, if anybody wants to has any other questions, they can um, check out my course at farmingsuccess.net and they can always reach out to me um, you know, on, by email. Sounds great, Jeff. We'll make sure to put that in the show notes too for everybody. So great. I appreciate it, Ryan. Take care. Make sure to check out the latest stories from the monthly print edition and online at meatpoultry.com. Also follow us on social media at Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram, all by searching at Meat Poultry. And if you like what you heard, please leave us a rating and a review. It really helps us. All right, that's it for this time, folks. Thanks for listening and have a great day.